Well, as we saw in our uh, overhead, uh, the counting of the Omer, today is the 49th day of the counting of the Omer. And uh, the word Omer means days, and uh, today, um, well, actually tomorrow, according to one interpretation, is is uh, Shavuot, or the Feast of Pentecost. And that's what we want to look at today, is the Feast of Shavuot, and what it means to us as believers. Um, I always forget to turn this on. Okay, it's on. And it's not working. Okay, that always helps. Okay. Good. So, if we find the portion of Scripture actually in Leviticus uh, chapter 23. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there so that we have an idea of what we're talking about in Leviticus 23, beginning in verse 15. I'm going to give an overview of this, but uh, just, uh, by, uh, uh, just to be aware of what we're going to be dealing with is this feast of Shavuot, or weeks. Leviticus 23 and verse 15. You shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath. From the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, you shall count off 50 days. The word count, by the way, is the word omer, or days rather, is omer. Uh, and so you shall count the omer, that is, you shall count the days from the day that the offering was presented, and then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring in from your dwelling places two loaves of bread to be waved before the Lord. They shall be a fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. And you shall present with the bread seven lambs a year old without blemish, one bull from the herd, and two rams. And they shall be a burnt offering to the Lord, and their grain offering, and their drink offerings, a food offering with a pleasant, pleasing aroma to the Lord. And you shall offer one male goat for a sin offering and two male lambs a year old as a sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before the Lord with the two lambs. And they shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. And you shall make a proclamation on that same day. You shall hold a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. It is a statute forever in all your dwelling places through all your generations." Let's pray as we consider Shavuot and its meaning to us as believers. Father, we thank you for times and seasons. Lord, you're the one who, in creation, as you uh, began your work, you set the stars in the skies and you appointed times and seasons. And then, Lord, when you called your people into being, you gave them your Torah, your instruction, your word. And you called for your people to gather together and to remember these times and seasons. So, Father, we pray that as we study this, uh, this uh, holy day, as we look into this holy day, as we observe this holy day, that you might speak to us through your word. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so the, uh, God has appointed holy days as times for God's people to meet with him. My appointed times are these. That's how actually Leviticus 23 begins, in his appointed times. They were given to us to remind his people of how he provided for them. Uh, to rest, uh, to also uh, provide rest for his people. Uh, Napoleon tried to uh, change the Sabbath to a 10-day, uh, to, to rest on the 10th day. And uh, the people of France uh, couldn't handle it. 
they, uh, they just began falling apart. They needed God's timetable. And so they reverted back to a six-day work, uh, work week and a rest on the seventh day. Uh, Napoleon tried to throw out the Lord, and the Lord threw out Napoleon. <laughs> anyway, so uh, God's appointed time also for rest, uh, to give thanks through, uh, through offerings. It's important that we remember the Lord, and we do give thanks. Uh, a perspective on all that we are and all that we have really comes from him. And uh, to repent and to offer these sacrifices to the Lord. Uh, part of God's law was a, a provision that he made for us for, for sin, that when we sin, we could be reconciled to God through repentance and atonement, through the sacrificial blood that was offered. And to read the scriptures, to read the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So all these were provisions that God made in the feasts of Israel. All right, so three of the seven feasts were pilgrimage feasts. And by the way, in chapter 23, we have the seven feasts of the Lord listed. Three of them are pilgrim feasts where all men, Jewish men were required to appear before the Lord. We read about it in Deuteronomy 16, verse 16. Passover is the first, Shavuot is the second, and Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, is the third. These were three feast days that all Jews, no matter where they lived, were to go up to Jerusalem to make Aliyah. The word Aliyah means to go up. Uh, the first pilgrim holy day was Passover. Uh, commemorates God's deliverance of Israel out of slavery into Egypt. It was their birth as a nation, and so God wanted his people every year to remember how he redeemed them through the blood of the Lamb and how they were purchased by him to be his holy people. Passover is a permanent ordinance for generations to come, everlasting. It is never to be abrogated. And one of the signs between God and his people are these holy days. And uh, you who have been grafted into Israel, I believe these days are for you as well. Uh, they're a season of joy and thanksgiving. And we'll see that they also foreshadow that which was to come. They, uh, Passover was observed on the 14th day of the first month, beginning at twilight. Now, God changed the calendar up until uh, Passover. The first month was actually what we now call the seventh month. Um, it was uh, Tishri, or um, uh, the anniversary of the creation of the world. We celebrate Rosh Hashanah on that day. And that was the anniversary of creation, and that was the new year. But God said, I want you to change the new year to Passover. Uh, Nisan was to be the first of the month. And the 14th of the month was the reminder of God's redemption. Uh, when the moon was full, he brought his people out. The Passover lamb was to be perfect without spot or blemish. Uh, the, uh, the, the lamb that was to be offered, it was to be perfect in every way. And of course, this foreshadows uh, the work of Yeshua. Now, Passover at the time of, of Yeshua uh, at, had his Passover meal, his last supper as it's called. Yeshua broke matzah and took the third cup of wine, saying these were the matzah was his body and the third cup, the cup of redemption, was his blood. This is the new covenant, he said, in my blood. For Jewish people, it was the reminder of the blood of the Lamb that redeemed him. And Yeshua took the third cup and said, this cup is now my blood. In essence, he was saying, I am the Lamb of God. This is what Passover was pointing to, uh, to me. And this event became known, of course, as the Last Supper. 
Yeshua was crucified as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, as John told us in chapter 1. The Lord's Supper is a remembrance of his sacrifice as the perfect Passover lamb. And periodically we do it here to remember our Messiah and that he is the Lamb of God and he provided redemption for us. And so Passover, the first of all the feasts of Israel, was a reminder that we were purchased by God, that we were redeemed through the blood of the Lamb, and that we, like Israel, have begun our journey to the promised land. Uh, we are not in the promised land, as anyone here can, can bear witness from time to time. No matter how successful you may be, you know that this is not the promised land because uh, there's all kinds of troubles that face all of us at various degrees or not. Uh, and so we are reminded through Passover that, that just as Israel was brought out of bondage and slavery, yet not brought immediately into the promised land, they were brought into the wilderness to be prepared for the promised land. So Yeshua is our lamb who's redeemed us and has not brought us into heaven immediately, but has, is preparing us for the kingdom of heaven. We are in the wilderness. Well, the, uh, it was no coincidence that Yeshua died on Passover. He fulfilled what Passover foreshadowed. Yeshua is the Lamb of God. And just as his blood was required on the doorpost to avoid death, so we must apply his blood to our hearts that death will pass over us. All right, well, first fruits is the next feast day, and that occurs in uh, uh, March or April. It actually occurs the same time as Passover. It's the same week as Passover. In the Hebrew, it's known as Yom Habikorim, uh, the very first fruits. Uh, it's observed on the Shabbat after Passover. Uh, Leviticus 23, verses 9 through 14. This is the uh, next holy day that's spoken of. Um, its background is first fruits are offerings given for the spring barley harvest. Uh, this is the early harvest. Uh, barley was a coarser grain and used in, in, in certain kinds of breads. Um, it was uh, the equivalent today of our winter wheat. It's, it's the first fruit that is our first harvest of the year. And uh, it, uh, first ripe sheep, uh, first fruits of barley was offered to the Lord as an act of dedicating the entire harvest. Uh, one of the teachings in scriptures over and over again is that what comes first belongs to the Lord. Israel is my son, my firstborn. Israel will always be holy to the Lord, whether or not they're holy or not. They are holy to God uh, the, as a nation. Now, individually, uh, we need to come to faith in Messiah and have atonement. But as a nation, Israel will always remain holy to the Lord. And that's why we, uh, we see what, what God is doing now and regathering Israel into the land for his purposes. And he will purify them. Uh, one of the events yet in, to come in the future is the Great Tribulation. And it's in that time that Israel will be, as his firstborn among the nations, holy to the Lord. Uh, so uh, first fruits is the very first of the harvest. A sheaf of grain is set apart and bundled, left standing in the field. And the day after the Passover Sabbath uh, uh, was the first day of unleavened bread. Now, uh, there's a great debate uh, on, uh, on the day after the Sabbath of Passover, the, the priest would wave the sheaf before the Lord. And I'm going to explain some of the debate about what is the proper Sabbath uh, that we're talking about. I talked about this also on Passover. 
All right, the counting of the days. The Omer began and continued up to the day after the seventh Sabbath. So after the sheaf was waved before the Lord, the sheaf of the Bikurim, the sheaf of the barley harvest, was waved in the presence of the Lord, uh, then they would begin counting each day. They were to count off 50 days until the next offering, and that next offering was the Feast of Shavuot, 50 days. And that's what we're looking at. The 50th day is called Shavuot, weeks. That's what Shavuot means. Or Pentecost, which is the Greek equivalent of 50, 50 days. All right, Yeshua rose on the day after the Sabbath of Passover. So again, we see the foreshadowing of God, just as Passover was, was the time in which the lamb was, uh, uh, died and shed his blood. Uh, commemorating how applying the blood would deliver us. So Yeshua rose on the day after the Sabbath of Passover. 2,000 years ago, that day was a Sunday, the first day of the week and uh, the day of first fruits. And as Luke talks about it, it, he rose on the first day of the week, on the day of first fruits. Actually, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul alludes to it. Uh, Jesus' resurrection is the promise of the future resurrection of believers. But Messiah has indeed uh, been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as in Adam all die, so in Messiah all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Messiah Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, uh, uh, those who belong to him. So, just as at the precise time that the priest was waving the sheaf of the bikurim, the first fruits, the day after the, Paso, uh, the Sabbath of Passover, the first fruits were being offered, so Jesus was being offered to the Lord, the first fruits to rise from the dead. And so he fulfilled the foreshadowing of that. Um, all right, so the manna which God provided from heaven as food for the Israelites while in the wilderness stopped on this day after they entered the promised land. Now the harvest had begun, and Jews would now live off of the land. No longer would they live off of the manna. Since the temple was destroyed in AD 70, first fruits are no longer offered on this day. Why? Because we don't have a temple to offer them. Uh, and so the rabbis came up with another system. And that system was prayer and repentance and doing good deeds. Um, we begin counting the days, or the Omer, uh, of first fruits. The counting ends on the 50th day, which, as I said, is, is Pentecost. Now, this year, Shavuot was celebrated last Tuesday at sundown. Now, what is the difference? There's a debate regarding what day to begin the counting. Two Jews, three opinions. Actually, the, pretty much the Jewish community is convinced that the days begin on the, uh, on the holy day. Uh, this, is the Sabbath the holy day or the, uh, or the weekly? Is the Sabbath the holy day? Uh, so what I'm saying is, is the, the Jewish people, the Orthodox, the, uh, and, and for the most part, most of the Jewish people, believe that Passover is the holy day. And so the day after Passover, they begin count, counting the Omer. All right, you following me? All right, so, uh, so that's why a Passover occurred this year on a Monday night. And so Shavuot began on a, on a Tuesday night, 50 days later, last Tuesday night. 
However, uh, I, I believe that the scriptures is teaching that the Sabbath is not the holy day, not, not Passover itself, but the Sabbath, Saturday. And so uh, the rabbis believe that the holy day is the Sabbath referred to, but in Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17, we read that the holy days were a shadow of what was to come and that they foreshadow Messiah. And if that's the case, then the, then the Lord rose on first fruits on the day after Sabbath, which was Shabbat. He rose on Sunday morning, the first day of the week. There's no debate that he rose on the first day of the week. And so that was the day after the Sabbath, the Sabbath of the Holy Day. All right. Uh, and so Yeshua died on Passover and rose on Bikurim, which was the first day of the week. And then the counting began. And so by my understanding of Scripture and by other biblical scholars, the 50th day will always fall on a Sunday it, it, to commemorate the resurrection. And uh, the first fruits is uh, Yeshua rose from the dead on, on a Sunday, and the, the 50 days later will always be on a Sunday. Uh, Leviticus 23, verse 15 is where we read that. Celebrated 50 days after Passover, Shavuot, the day after seven weeks or seven Sabbaths. And Shavuot means weeks. Pentecost means 50. All right, so this is a back background. There are three aspects of Shavuot I would like to consider this morning. First of all, going up to Jerusalem. Uh, that was the first thing that all Jews had to do. They went up to Jerusalem. Second, the giving of the Torah. And the third is the offering of the two loaves. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. No matter where you came from, you had to go up to Jerusalem. Uh, so... Uh, if you were from, well, wherever you were from, you would land in Israel, you would go through Joppa in, in ancient days because that was a port, or, or Caesarea also was a major port, or Eshdod was another major port. Wherever you landed, you would, you would land, and then you would journey to Jerusalem, and wherever you came from, you had to go up because Jerusalem is elevated. Jerusalem is beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth. Coming to Jerusalem was an act of obedience in fulfilling the commandment of the Lord. You went up three times a year. It brought joy and blessing by being with God's people. It was a, it was a happening. Uh, it was a time of great joy and celebration. We see this in Luke chapter 2, verse 41 through 45. You remember this scene. As his parents used to go to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover, Yeshua's parents, and when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. This is Passover. They were going up to Jerusalem. This, remember, Passover was the first feast all Jews had to go up. Shavuot was the second feast that they had to go up. And it was a wonderful time. In fact, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem and his parents were unaware of it. How could they be unaware of it? They were having a good time. They were with family and friends. They were enjoying themselves. It was just a, a time of celebration and rejoicing. Uh, and, and his parents were unaware of it. They thought him to be in the caravan. You know, we thought he was playing with the other kids. Is he with you? No, I thought he was with you. And, uh, and so then they returned to Jerusalem looking for him, uh, very nervous and worried. Of course, Yeshua says, I had to be about my father's business. But the point that's being made is that, that going up to Jerusalem was a time of great joy, uh, a celebration. And, and, and moreover, as people went up to, joy, uh, to, to rejoice in the giving of the, uh, of the, of the holy day, 
they also knew the, the protection of the Lord. They didn't, they didn't have any fear. Uh, in fact, the fear of God was on anyone who was ungodly. That's what it was like when God's people worship in spirit and in truth. And so the holy days were a reminder for, for God's people to be thankful, a time of thanksgiving and praise. It also was the setting for events spoken of by the prophets, the coming of Messiah, a time of, of great joy um, when all the law and the prophets spoke of nothing but the Messiah. Just as God sent his Messiah on Passover, so Jerusalem and Shavuot were strategic in God's plans. God wanted people present. That's why everyone was in Jerusalem. God had appointed it. That's, he wanted everyone to behold the Messiah when he died. You remember the response of the people when he entered Jerusalem. Behold the Lamb of God. which And Hosanna, Hosanna to the King. Uh, they all recognized that Yeshua was the King. And they were all there. If they were obedient to the Lord, they, could, they would see the Messiah. Actually, they would see the Messiah dying. Dying for their sins. Well, once again... God called up the Jewish people to Jerusalem and he was setting the stage for the next event on God's timetable. Just as God sent his Messiah on Passover, so Shavuot was strategic. This was to be the day that all Israel would witness the promise of God's spirit taking up residence, not in the temple, but in his children. Ezekiel, for those of you who have read Ezekiel, We'll remember that, that Ezekiel's given a vision of the Spirit of God leaving the temple uh, as the children of Israel were going to be brought into captivity. Some of the rabbis believe that the Spirit really wasn't present uh, in some of the writings, in some of the uh, uh, writings of the Talmud and, and uh, in the Midrash, that, uh, that the Spirit of God wasn't ever present in the temple. Uh, uh, there are some accounts that the Ark of the Covenant when they returned back to Israel, that there was, uh, in the Holy of Holies, there was no ark there. Uh, so anyway, uh, the Spirit of God was removed from the temple, and God now, on Shavuot, on this day, was going to fill his people with the Spirit of God. Instead of going to the temple, God was demonstrating that each one of us were the temple. We're going to become the temple each one of us is, is a brick, a stone, as Peter writes, in a building that he's building called the church. But that church is really the temple of the living God, where, where God's people gather together and collectively the Spirit of God is present. In Acts 2, take a look at it in verses 1 through 3, 13. God was setting the stage for this great event. I would have put it up on, on the board, but it was just too much. All right, so in the first, um, in, Acts, in Acts chapter 2, um, in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost, that's Shavuos, arrived, they were all together in one place. The disciples were, were present. And why were they present? Because Yeshua told them to wait. After he rose from the dead, he walked among them for about 40 days, and then on the Mount of Olives, we read in chapter 1, he ascended up into heaven. You remember they were looking up in Acts chapter 1, and, and a voice of the angel speaks and says, uh, this Yeshua whom you see ascending up to heaven will return in exactly the same way. And, and Yeshua said before he ascended, wait in Jerusalem until that which I promised shall come upon you. And that was probably the 40th day of the Omer that he ascended. 
And they were waiting uh, 10 more days. Um, they didn't know what they were waiting for. Perhaps they had an idea since Passover was significant and he rose on first fruits. Maybe some of them figured it out, but I'm thinking maybe not. Um, because, you know, the apostles were pretty thick at times. Um, and, and they didn't have the Spirit of God in them yet. Um, so so they, were, they were there sitting, and, uh, and all of a sudden, verse 2, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. That fire was the fire of God's Spirit. Uh, just as the fire of the Lord led the children of Israel through the wilderness, it was a pillar of fire and by night and a cloud by day. It was the presence of God's Spirit that rested over the tabernacle. Fire is an indication of God's Spirit. And now God's Spirit, in the, in the vision or in the appearance of fire on their heads, enters into their, into their lives, into their hearts. And what is the manifestation of that spirit coming into them? Speaking in other tongues, languages. Literally in the, in the Greek, the word is glossolalia, languages, discernible languages. Remember, at the day of, um, in Babel, God confused languages. On this day, God gave the ability to undo different languages. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of the multitude, they came together. And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Now, so we, we find later on that these were Galileans. Oh, they were confused. Look at verse, uh, verse 7. They were amazed and astonished, saying, are these not Galileans speaking? I mean, really, this is a humorous remark. Because uh, everybody knew Galileans, you know, had trouble speaking one language. And yet, here they are, able to speak all these different languages. And why? Because God was showing Israel, who had now come in obedience. The Jewish people had come in obedience. Elamites, people from Pontia, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, as we read. Phrygia, Pamphylia. And notice, Jews and proselytes. What is a proselyte? a Gentile convert to Judaism. So Jews and Gentiles are present. They hear the works of God. They hear the testimony of God through these men who are speaking, each one of them, in their languages. And they're overwhelmed. And the Spirit of God is present. Can you imagine what a cool thing that must have been? I mean, just the Spirit of God present and and, and, and this excitement happening, the, the violent rushing of, of wind, which was the, the outpouring of God's spirit. And, and then Peter gets up and, and preaches a message. And what happens? 3,000 people come to faith in response to the message of Peter. Now, the second thing I want to look at is the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. The law was a blessing from God, wasn't it? It was, uh, the psalmist wrote, it brought blessing and peace. It set Israel apart as God's special people. I mean, that's what made Israel holy. That's what helped the nations recognize that the God of Israel was God, was the word of God. We know that the Lord created the world through the word of God. We've been talking about the new halakha in our studies in Ephesians. The, the, the word, the law of the Lord is, is, gives us wisdom and, and joy and blessing. 
It set Israel apart as a special people. How blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. However, the day uh, uh, the law was given, Israel was involved in idolatry. Now, the rabbis teach that Shavuot is the anniversary of the giving of the law, that it was 50 days after the Jews left Egypt on Passover that they came to the foot of Mount Sinai and the law was given on Mount Sinai. And so when the temple was destroyed, they changed the focus from the giving, uh, the beginning of the harvest to the offering of the offerings to the giving of the law as a great blessing. And on, uh, on, uh, on Shavuot, uh, last Tuesday night, people would spend all night, 24 hours, studying God's law, uh, giving thanks to God's law and praising the Lord. As kids, we would stay up all night. It was a time we could, uh, well, we really didn't study the law. We just partied. Um, but we were allowed to because it was Shavuot. Now, when, when the law was given at Mount Sinai because of their idolatry, 3,000 people died because of God's discipline. 1,500 years later, after that law was given, God gave his people a new covenant. Just as foretold in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 33. Behold, days are coming, said the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them. But this is the covenant I will make with them after those days. I'll put my law in their heart. And so on the anniversary of the giving of the law, God gives a new law written on the heart. God sent his spirit first to take the stony hearts that were there. And believe me, our hearts are stony. And when the spirit of God comes, it loosens it up so that we will be tender to the things of God and, and to the truths of God. And so the law was written on the heart. And 3,000, because of Peter's word, came to everlasting life. All right, so that's the second thing. The giving of the law. The anniversary of the greater law came 2,000 years ago on, on, well, actually, it'll be tomorrow, Sunday. Or if you're Jewish uh, and you don't believe what, what I teach, then Tuesday. But um, anyway, that's uh, the second point. The third point is I wanted to make today is the two loaves that were offered by the high priest. Baked with leaven. You remember reading that in Acts, uh, rather in uh, Leviticus 23? During uh, Passover and during Bikurim, that is the first fruits when Jesus rose from the dead, that was the week of unleavened bread. No leaven. Because it is a time of Messiah who is without sin and holy. However, 50 days later, we have a new offering and God requires that leaven be in it. Rabbis, the rabbis taught that leaven was a picture of sin. And Yeshua mentioned it. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Paul mentions it. Your boasting, your bragging is not good. Don't you know that a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump? Clean out the leaven just as, in fact, you are unleavened. For Messiah, our Passover, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, communion or Passover, not with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so leaven was a picture of sin. The Passover offerings were unleavened. But these were to be leavened. Why? Because they picture sinful Jews and Gentiles, I believe. I like to think as our high priest was offering the, the two loaves of bread in the temple, 
One was rye bread, good Jewish rye, and the other white bread. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, I can dream. Uh, probably one with mustard on it, and the other with mayonnaise. Uh, offered by the high priest of God, and so it was in heaven on that day, our high priest on, on Shavuot was offering to God both Jews and Gentiles. Uh, for on that day, Jewish people came to faith on the day of Shavuot, and proselytes, Gentiles, who had come to believe in the God of Israel but had not yet fully converted, um, had, uh, had, had also come to faith. Actually, pros I'm sorry, take that back. Proselytes had fully converted, but they were still considered Gentiles by, by Jewish people, not fully accepted. But now, clearly, on this day, the outpouring of the Spirit of God on them, they heard and they believed, and Jews and Gentiles, offered by the high priest Yeshua on this day, became part of God's kingdom, and on this day, the church was born. And when I say church, I mean the, the, the gathering of God's people and the infilling of God's Spirit, and, and really, on this day, the harvest truly began. For Jewish people, Shavuot was the beginning of the harvest back in those days. Well, in the New Covenant period, this is the beginning of the, it began on Pentecost. In many churches, you see on the, written on the doors as you go out, uh, you are now entering into the harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest. And so from, from the day of Pentecost, 2,000 years ago, to this very day, we are in the harvest. And we are the first fruits of the Lord uh, being offered to the Lord. And so uh, Shavuot was the start of the harvest, and throughout summer, the harvest was carried on. 2,000 years ago, God began the harvest of Jew and Gentile in this present age, and God desires now us to be a part of his harvest. Unlike wheat, we can choose. Will we choose to surrender our lives? Will we come to the Lord? And will, if we do come to the Lord, what, we will, hap what will happen is we will be filled with the Spirit of God. We may not speak in other languages. Uh, I'm, I suppose I'm a Galilean. I have enough trouble speaking English. In fact, when I was taking Hebrew at Moody, I was told my problem wasn't Hebrew, it was English. Um, so uh, anyway, if you will come to the Lord, God will fill you with his spirit and, uh, and make you a part of his harvest. And each of the feast days foreshadow what was to come. And clearly, Shavuot speaks of the filling of God's spirit, the beginning of the harvest, and the joy that comes from the Lord. Uh, and, and I pray that if you have not yet come to faith, that today you will. And if you are a believer, that you would surrender your life fully to the Lord, that he might use you to be a blessing and to bless you. And with that, let's pray. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King, we thank you and praise you for your great harvest, for Shavuot and for the beginning of the harvest, Lord, that just as Yeshua died on Passover and rose again on Bikurim, on first fruits, so you have fulfilled the great promise of pouring out your spirit and beginning the calling out of your people, Lord, that you are building your new temple made up of Jew and Gentile, and the evidence of that is the filling of your spirit. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this day. Uh, we pray for our people, Israel, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon them and upon the nations as well, that they might